Oh my God, yes. I have okay. regrets. So, welcome to Unfortunately Required Reading. Um, we made a we made a drink this week called we the French Pearl Cocktail. Yeah. And if you've been listening to our podcast for a while, you probably remember that um, anytime we make something that has absinthe in it, it's probably a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't. It's Emergency ginger ale. You have the backup beverage. No, I'm adding it to the I'm adding it to the cocktail, hoping it makes it palatable. Gotcha. So, so in this cocktail is gin. Yes. Um, it also has absinthe. Yes. And then it has mint. Yes. Lime juice. Yes. And then, if you're fancy, rock candy. Yes, which I bought. It looks like cocaine. Uh. Don't ask why I know what cocaine looks like. Um, I just assumed the D.A.R.E. program. Oh, yeah. Like the worst program that's ever existed where it's like, hey, don't do this really, really cool thing. Yeah, don't do drugs. Also, these are all the things you might see on LSD. Wait, what? But that sounds really neat. Also, cops don't need to exist. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Wait, it took us, what, less than a minute for you to go ACAB? It's like also cops don't need to exist. Wait, what? Uh, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for the like. Did is somebody gonna get a bingo within the first five minutes this week? I mean, we're probably gonna. Uh, it's still my birth month technically, so we're reading The Hunchback in Notre Dame, to which I uh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize. Well, I knew that Disney had changed the ending. Yes. I knew that. Yes. I didn't realize how much they changed Phoebus from a part yes. of my language absolute fuckboy into like a norm a semi-normal human being that you might sort of admire. Yes. He's uh, awful. Yes. I mean, realistically, everyone in Hunchback is awful because that's kind of Victor Hugo's thing. There's uh, not even a single good man in the entire thing. No. No. Uh, I also recommend to listeners and to Victoria, so she stops hating me. Um, if you've never read Victor Hugo's poetry, read his poetry. Because <laughs> it's just his unfettered musings while he's high as shit on absinthe. It's basically like his live journal where he's just like talking about feelings. Oh, God. So I actually read his poetry when I was in college. Yeah, it's just because he's in the camp of uh, bad boys of French poetry. Read his poetry. It is just him drunk on absinthe, which is why we're drinking absinthe because he fucking loved it. I, I would like less Victor Hugo in my life. Uh, I would like the normal amount. For me, the normal amount is zero. What is what is it? What is the standard amount of Victor Hugo? Let me see if ginger ale fixes it. So we went to my kids back to school thing no. today. It doesn't. It doesn't fix it. No. <laughs> Just makes it worse. When you become a smog. <laughs> Part of me is like, I wonder if we went to like an absinthe bar and like professionals made us absinthe drinks if we'd like it. I would love that. Do we I have would, one here or like in Austin? I mean, you know, I can find one. I know we have a 
like Russian tea room or we did in Austin. I don't know if we do now after the COVID. Do we do we include Austin as a part of us? Well, it's a two hour drive. So I laugh because I have friends go, oh yeah, my friend lives in Austin. And I'm like, no, no, I don't. <laughs> okay, so I have good and bad news. There is indeed an absinthe distillery near us. It is in Bastrop. Uh, there's a lot of like weird distilleries in Bastrop. Oh my God, it is. Okay, so we're going to Bastrop. Violet Crown Spirits, Texas's first absinthe distillery. And award-winning. They have a fountain and everything. Their bottle is gorgeous. Cool. So uh, they have a jasmine liqueur that looks quite lovely. Ooh. And they make their own elderflower liqueur. I love elderflower liqueur. I also love elderflower liqueur. We can book a tour. Road trip. All right. Are we ready for the short story long? Uh, sure. Which for the first time, I think, is much shorter than the book itself. Um, yeah, not by much, though. So there are pages and pages of descriptions of buildings. We finally get partway to the point. It's 1482, and it's time for the Festival of Fools. Quasimodo is the misshapen bell ringer of Notre Dame. He has all sorts of uncomfortable nicknames, but Hunchback seems to be what we go with. He's deaf because of the bells. He has one functional eye, a hump on his back, and bandy legs that only touch at the knees. After some back and forth and with other fugly men in Paris, Quasimodo is elected the Pope of Fools, a.k.a. the ugliest person in Paris. He gets put onto a throne and is paraded around. This isn't going well for a guy named Pierre Grangier, I guess it is. He's a poet who is mm-hmm. trying to get the crowd to watch his play, Instead of the fugly parade, this doesn't go well for them at all. This guy seems like a very thin portrayal of the author. Um, Uh, You would be correct. Archdeacon Claude Frollo, Boo Hiss, shows up and starts... Well, I guess he's Judge Claude Frollo. I don't remember. It's Archdeacon in the book. It's Judge in the movie. Um, He shows up and stops the parade and tells Quasimodo to come back to the bell tower with him. Gringoire is now basically unable to get anyone to watch his play instead they're watching a romani street dancer named la esmeralda which is referred to as a gypsy eight thousand times in this book he follows her home like a complete creeper and as she rounds a corner frollo and quasimodo attack her gringor swings into action but gets knocked out instead and frollo runs away quasimodo is arrested by the captain of the king's archers phoebus day chateaupier or whatever gringoire ends up in the court of miracles where all the criminals of paris hang out he finds out that a beggar named Clopan is their head bitch in charge. As part of their custom, he's going to be hung. That is, unless a woman agrees to marry him. Dang. Esmeralda agrees to the four-year marriage to save his neck. They have a whole conversation about how they aren't going to hook up because she doesn't want a man who can't save her and that she has to rescue. She has a badass goat named Jolly who seems to be smarter than everyone in this book. Quasimodo ends up on trial and is sentenced to be tortured for two hours in a place called Place de Grive. He is to be stretched and publicly humiliated. He begs for water, but no one listens to him. There's a whole sequence while he's on trial, and both he and the guy who's putting him on trial are deaf, so they're both like trying to make it look like they're listening to the other one. 
It's like a very thinly veiled metaphor on legal. Um, La Esmeralda is the only one who brings him something to drink. Cue a recluse nun named Sister Golday, who screams out at Esmeralda and calls her a gypsy child thief because her daughter was stolen from her 15 years before. If this seems like an upcoming plot point, that's because it is. A few months later, Esmeralda is dancing in front of the Notre Dame and Phoebus calls for her. She's crazy about him and she blesses when he says he wants to meet up. We have all just recently found out, though, that Phoebus is already engaged. Also, the goat knows how to spell his name because Esmeralda trained him to spell it out. Frollo, like the creeper he is, is watching the whole thing from the top of Notre Dame and is super jealous of Phoebus. He's actually already threatened her supposed husband, who said, don't worry, we haven't, I haven't even touched her. So, Frollo, all right, this gets to be kind of the fun part, has renounced God and turned to alchemy and black magic because he wants Esmeralda. He plans to trap her. He follows Phoebus to where he is meeting her in this like inn and then stabs him repeatedly. Esmeralda gets knocked out and she ends up being captured by the king's guards who think she killed him because she is covered in blood. As usual, women suffer because a man can't keep it in his own pants. Esmeralda is tortured until she falsely confesses to killing Phoebus and being a witch. She is sentenced to hang. Frollo visits her in jail and declares his love. She calls him a goblin monk and a murderer, which is fair. Um, she ends up being publicly humiliated in front of Notre Dame in basically just like a white shift. She sees Phoebus across the square and calls for him. He survived his murder attempt. We didn't want anyone to know he survived. He totally turns away from her and enters her, his fiance's house. Quasimodo swings down, rescues Elsmerelda, and brings her to the tower to rescue her. She is safe from execution, provided she never leave the church under the concept of sanctuary. This is awkward, as she can't even look at Quasimodo at first. They then become friends. He is deaf, but still likes it when she sings. A group of people decide to rescue Esmeralda when they hear Parliament is going to try and have her removed. This becomes a big cluster. Uh, Quasimodo thinks that they're coming to kill her, and he kills off a lot of these supposed rescuers, which ends up leading to the king and a bunch of other people getting involved. Frollo uses the sneak attack to get Esmeralda out of the cathedral. She can say she loves him or he'll have her hung. She demands to be hung. And so he leaves her with the nun, Sister Goudel. They discover that Esmeralda is her long lost kidnapped daughter. Surprise, because Sister Goudel left her kid alone in the house and a bunch of Romani found the kid and were like, look, this kid's been abandoned and took her with him anyway. She tries to protect her daughter, but she's totally screwed. Quasimodo looks for Esmeralda, but realizes that she's being hung when he sees her white dress at the scaffold. He grabs Frollo by the neck and throws him to his death. We never see Quasimodo again, but his remains are found later when a gravedigger sees a hunchback skeleton wrapped around Esmeralda's remains. And everybody is sad. Yeah. So, that was the yeah. thing I read. That was the thing I read as a child. This explains a lot. <laughs> this was the thing I read as a child. Because of course it, of course I did. Fun fact, ginger ale did help because it reacted with the rock candy crystals I have at the bottom of the glass with ice. Oh. So I created a weird alchemic reaction in the bottom of this glass that did help. I will still never make this drink again. <laughs> or I will do it just with gin. Yeah, the, the gin part is great. Yeah. 
because without without the absinthe it's kind of like a gin mojito yeah it's basically a mojito but the absinthe and it's such a little amount too it's not even a lot it's such a tiny amount why are you like this uh so that was a book it was a book uh victor hugo got paid by the word if you can't tell oh oh i can tell uh he also uh blew through his entire uh advance for this book for like years and didn't write it until his publisher was like what the fuck where is book especially because didn't he try to sell it to a different publisher too he did he did try to double team and uh go get a published again a book he still hasn't written by the way a book that still doesn't exist uh so this is something that i read when i was young because i was that kid and uh how much time are we going to spend talking about the far superior disney movie so i'm actually surprised because normally i'm like yeah the disney movie isn't that great but the disney movie for this is a lot more palatable Although I've been told the Ingrid Bergman film is is a lot truer to the book, but I've also never seen it and and didn't. But the problem with truer to the book is it's bad. It's not a great book. I just like want to throw Phoebus off the roof too. Eat. It's sort of like a Les Mis. Like you couldn't pay me to read Les Mis again. I'll watch the musical any day. <laughs> not the. Not the Anne Hathaway one. Not that one. Not that one, please. So there's there's a lot of racism in this book. Um, okay, I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna go ahead and pull uh, the cover from Devil's Advocate Monthly. It was a different time. They really, really hate Jewish people. Yes. There's a whole part where they're in the Court of Miracles where basically this guy gets mad because somebody accuses him of being Jewish. He's like, no, I kill people. I don't steal from them. Uh, uh, I mean, obviously, they're really awful to the Romani. They're really terrible to the disabled. Yes. Women women Romani. Yes. People in general. so no one's being treated well here um yeah i don't have an excuse for that i didn't realize like how into the hermetic order stuff that uh frollo was until i read this book yes i was like trying to imagine him and alistair crowley hanging out i don't think alistair crowley would like him very much i don't think so either he would have been like frollo you self-righteous prick i also don't think alistair crowley would like many people no he didn't like I like that's not even like a total ding on Frollo. I don't think Aliester Crowley liked most people. He liked he, their money and their drugs. He very much liked their drugs. He liked their drugs a lot. I think um, one of my favorite things is like Jack Parson joined the OTO and was sending messages like Crowley, like I'm I'm so into you and, and I appreciate everything you've done. And he's like, dude, you're giving money to this uh this complete idiot this other guy you're a dumbass like what are you doing like when the chief con man tells you not to trust l ron hubbard like come on if anybody has no idea what i'm talking about look up l ron hubbard 
and Jack Parsons and the OTO in Pasadena, the Order of Thelema. You, you are don't have to look it up unless you don't want to like your yourself. Mind is going to get a little bit blown about rocketry and uh, the foundings of Scientology. Cults. Hint, it's a con. Anyway. It's also uh, a cult. Uh, so do you want to do some light theming? Sure. <laughs> I was like, what do you want to do? So divide by zero. Both hosts, no brain cell. It's fine. So like I was kind of talking about the deaf judge versus the deaf defendant. Mm-hmm. Everyone suffers in a destructive justice system. Yes. Also something that we see in the United States is uh, certain laws and uh, cultures that tie into unfair trials, people going getting harsher sentences for the same crime, depending on their background. You can just say racist. Color. You can just <laughs> you can just say white people fuck over brown people. Racism. Like you can just you can just say racists. So there's a really interesting part too where the writer dude who is very clearly Victor Hugo putting himself yes. in his own book yes. and like other than trying to sleep with Esmeralda who's like get the f away from me sir yes. um, he has a part where he is walking around looking at the court of miracles going if I exist does this actually exist and he's just like kind of mind blown for a minute mm-hmm. and he's one of the only characters in this book that actually thinks about their situation in a way that makes any sense yes like there are so many times where i'm like esmeralda run just run girl it's not worth it yeah uh this is also coming out around the enlightenment and uh well the tail end of the enlightenment and we're post most of the fun parts of the french revolution so also pre-spain getting to the united states listen There were tomatoes in some parts of Europe. They were not common and they were considered poisonous. Also, potatoes weren't really a thing yet. No, we kept giving them to the Irish. Well, later on, after we didn't trust Elizabeth. Because we didn't trust them. (laughs) We kept giving them to the Irish. Yeah, there, there were a lot of things that you might see in the Disney movie of them throwing at Quasimodo that would probably not have been thrown at Quasimodo. Okay, but realistically, <laughs> also, cabbages don't explode the way they do when you get a person. True. <laughs> and, but as the sticker that I purchased from our Redbubble store that Amanda has is, stop looking to children's animated movies for historical accuracy. Right. Cabbages have- also aren't paper grenades. They don't explode. You would just get a bruise. You're just being bludgeoned by a cabbage. Um, also, that's just a waste of food. They wouldn't do that. Uh, these people are poor. Yeah, I was going to say, unless you were rich, but the in people the in the crowd. Uh, the Festival of Fools is a thing that kind of exists. Uh, it could be linked to some uh, Easter celebrations, but there really isn't like a real FOF. Uh, because it's ludicrous. It's just... No one has the time or the energy for that. There were wars and plagues and no one had the time or energy for any of that shit. History right. sometimes is boring. 
Let's talk about the church as a building and institution. Okay, so Notre Dame de Pelly, the first name for the novel, we didn't throw in the hunchback part until later, uh, is architecture porn. It's just porn of the building. Uh, We are writing this in a world, or speaking it, we're recording this in a world that the Notre Dame Cathedral is still being rebuilt after burning down. Um, an event that I remember watching on live and crying a lot to. Um, But during the time that Victor Hugo was writing this, it was in similar disrepair because the church is really old. (laughs) Very, It's really, really old. Um, So he was writing at a time, basically like this is an old broken down church and it shouldn't be. um, And I want, this is basically like his Kickstarter intro page where it's like, I want people to care about this old building. And it worked. We now care so much about Notre Dame de Paris because of Victor Hugo's work. Um, He wasn't necessarily the strongest of Catholics. So I don't think that religion played a huge role into it. What mattered to him was the edifice, the artifice of the church. Um, And that it was just a neat building, which fair, but one of the big reasons why the book is so much of a slog is because it's all these lush descriptions of buttresses and stained glass and statues and all the statues have names. And what is wrong, Victoria? Nothing, my cat was just looking like there was- Oh, like Victoria, what? (laughs) Um, When both of your hosts have ADHD. Oh. So it's meant to save this building and mission accomplished. It did. And inspired by that work today, Americans like Tori and I are giving money to a building across the ocean (laughs) to help it rebuild. Mostly because of gargoyles. Okay, but the gargoyles aren't removed from the building. They aren't separate. They've always been there. Um... As an institution, however, Victor Hugo had less kind feelings, as do most actual Catholics. Yeah, he wasn't super big on a lot of the church or legal practices Mm -hmm. or the death penalty or Mm -hmm. really a lot of things that were going on in France at the time that he was writing, which is like late 1800s. Right, which I think is the most interesting is that he loves this building. But he's really ambivalent about all the things and people inside of it. But he loves the building. And honestly, I can kind of relate. I'm very similar to a lot of things. I like, sort of like the missions. I love the missions. I hate what they stand for. I wouldn't want anything. California, like our school trips were, hey, let's Mm -hmm. go to Mission San Juan Capistrano. And now as an adult, I'm like, oh, there was a lot of like, forced conversions and yeah there was a lot of encomienda there was a lot of just frankly genocide cultural and physical um i remember this year especially after the discovering of all of those innocent murdered children in canada uh no one celebrated canada day just no one everyone agreed there is nothing to celebrate i wish the u.s had a fraction of that humility (laughs) Yeah, and then they, they, I mean, they've always found bodies out here at a lot of our schools. Yeah. And most of the time, they are either Native children or Mm -hmm. uh, African-American children. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes both. Mm -hmm. 
but yeah, he had not very great feelings on the church as an institution, which TBH for the time, uh, hashtag same, uh, even me in present times, hashtag same. I don't have great feelings about the church as an institution. Pretty sure they killed that one little Italian girl who was buried under the Vatican. Just going to go ahead and say that. The church did kill that at least one little Italian girl. This is what Amanda does when she's not recording this podcast. She's weird. Reading isn't weird. Yes, it is. I ju- oh my god, I just picked up a book for my birthday. It's called uh, Edison's Eve. It's the history and quest for mechanical life. Oh. Which is the most Amanda book that has ever existed. There's a book that I think you will love that I just finished. It's coming out soon. It's called The Ice Pick Surgeon. Yes. And it's... You, it's so funny. Okay, so Tori and I both write for Fangirl Nation. She's editor-in-chief and then community engagement manager. Every time I see something that I know I'd love. I see it secondhand because Tori already done yanked that up. <laughs> Listen, I live if I live on netgalley.com. I have like, to anytime, myself or I anytime I see me. something, I'm like, I know that's because Tori snaps. I think because normally we get like emails through from like press and mailers. Nah, some of this shit we don't doesn't even come down to us. Tori just yank. <laughs> Hey, NetGalley is not anything that gets sent to me. I just go in there and I request. I just, okay. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it's so funny because I'm like, I would love that. Tori's out here just grabbing but shit. But I did snag the press request for Clarice season one. So I'll be honest about that. Uh-huh. Uh, also, I think, actually, no, I think the most Amanda book is uh, On the Kindness of Strangers. A history of child abandonment during the medieval period in Europe. And it's like this thick. <laughs> For those of you who can't see, that's like three to four inches thick. It's like yay thick. And it's just on the fact that during the medieval period, people were just leaving their kids in the woods. Well, a lot of times if their kids had behavioral issues, they assumed that they, or like were just being babies, they right. assumed that they'd been changed out with changelings. So they would leave them on a rock. Right. And the kid would cry and they'd be like, okay, well, if it's taken, then, you know, and it's like, yeah, no, a wild animal came and ate your child. This isn't even the changeling phenomena. This is purely just like, I would like to no longer have a child anymore. Bye. Listen, I have a preteen right now and I understand that, but <laughs> like no, this isn't even because I was thinking that like, oh, it's gonna be a bunch of like fae stories and like changeling stories. No, these are just people who are like, hey, what if we had one to five less children? One to five less children. It's <laughs> <laughs> in the woods. It's just children oh, in the God. woods. And then someone's like, hey, why are you in the woods? And they're like, mm-hmm, shrug. <laughs> I don't know. We're just here right like i don't know vibing like (laughs) that's the most amanda book but i'm very very excited for edison's eve uh because fun fact about me i love uh historical robots the real ones currently scare me uh yeah they scare me too but i love historical robots especially like da vinci's robots da vinci's lion is my favorite because he presented that in france and like everyone like just shit themselves and cried. 
because it's like that's a fucking lion like that's a lion and it's moving and like we can't tell why it's moving it was a robot like he built da vinci built a fucking robot i don't think i hate reading about this stuff in the modern era because it sounds dumb to us because like yeah i can go down to you know the barnes and nobles and get a little like robot making kit they didn't have that back then he built a lion well what i think blows my mind too is there's a lot of information in history that has been lost yes Bering wasn't the first person to uh discover certain things no there had been people from russia who had discovered it like 500 years before but those records were lost we found yes. examples of batteries that were made in like mesopotamia i do love the baghdad battery we found all of these things and it's like oh because it gets lost and the yeah. funny thing is like even with the internet now we have so much access to so much information that it's overwhelming and we don't do anything useful with it like i'm always so i upgraded my phone recently uh and i officially have more processing power in my hand than the first computers that sent a man to the moon had mm -hmm. and do you know what i do on my phone i take glossy pictures of food and i doom scroll on TikTok. that's what i do I take orgasmic photos of food that I'm eating because I have like 50 cameras on the back of this phone now. Oh, that's, I, a, that's a good set of cameras. I have, yeah, I have 70,000 cameras on the back of my phone now. I have, I have the Pixel from Google. Yeah. Um, because I wanted to get away from the iPhone for a hot minute. Every decade or so, I change phones now, like mm -hmm. phone types. And my husband had been going like, get an Android, get an Android, get an, and I'm like, listen, I don't even care. Does it have a good camera? Does it have mm -hmm. good sound? Okay. Then make it happen because I listen to a lot of audiobooks at work because mm -hmm. otherwise I can't focus mm -hmm. because people talk really mm -hmm. loud and we mm -hmm. work in cubicles. Oh, I'm sorry. But, um, yeah, we don't do anything with these, with this technology. I don't I mean, I don't like, that's not shaming anyone. I don't do anything with this technology. Like I said, I doom scroll on TikTok and take really nice photos of food. And I add to my ever-growing Amazon wish list because I'm hoping capitalism will fill in the void. Yeah. So <sighs> I don't know about you, but do you get this phenomena where somebody gives you like a gift card and then all of a sudden you feel like you have to find the perfect thing to purchase with the gift card? No. Okay. So it evaporates. Regularly? <laughs> I will just be like, I'm going to buy this. I'm not going to even worry about this if I need this in 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody sends me like a $25 gift card. Like I got one from work for doing something good, which was cool. I'm not mm -hmm. used to, I'm not used to positive feedback. Anyway, I have it. It's still sitting in my computer because I'm going, well, I want that, but that seems like a waste of money. I could do no, this instead. No, and I'm like, no, I have, I've never had that problem. My work gave me a $50 gift card for Ulta for my birthday. That thing was gone, like, I think the next day. Also, I found another very Amanda book on my wish list, The Restless Clock, A History of the Centuries Long Argument Over What Makes Living Things Tick. Hmm. Because I am a nerd. What's funny is when I was younger, all my bookshelves were fiction. Mm -hmm. And now a small portion of my bookshelves are fiction mm -hmm. and everything else is nonfiction. I just, I know I've said this before, I love Obscura. If I can get a title that's like five sentences 
and just super honed in. I love that shit. I want like 300 pages on the most honed in fucking title. It's why like the bookseller is so perfect for me, like in the basement of the library, because that's all libraries are, are very, very honed in books. (laughs) I want to go back there so bad. So what Amanda's talking about is our central library in San Antonio. The Enchilada Library. But they retire books because after a while, nobody's checking them out. You know, Mm -hmm. when you have a massive library system like San Antonio, when you have 400 square miles of human beings, Mm -hmm. you have to change things out. So Mm -hmm. we have found some of the most incredible books out there for Mm -hmm. like 25 cents. Mm -hmm. I just read an entire book about Nikita Khrushchev visiting America. I knew Mm -hmm. nothing about it before reading this book. And then I found out he got really mad because he couldn't go to Disneyland because they couldn't secure his safety. And Mm -hmm like never would have read that book otherwise because I didn't know it existed but like I live for the San Antonio Public Library right now because Mm -hmm. without that I mean I already have no money but like I have saved probably like $400 in books because I've already read 137 books this year Mm -hmm. thank you Goodreads for keeping track of that yeah like there's I I also love our library but again, like I, oh my God, I fucking love Obscura. I love just like hone down book titles and concepts. I don't know when I became this way because this is fairly new. Uh, I think it's mostly just because like I find, I I guess because I write, I am a very, very strong critic of fiction. I am an incredibly uh, strong critic of fiction. Uh, read literally anything i have written for fangirl nation i am usually not nice (laughs) unless i really like it and then i'm very nice i just finished alice in leatherland and i liked that a lot but there's a lot of things that i'm not nice about uh so do you want to talk about the gargoyles i do i know that you had asked me a question before we started recording and one, I have no idea what that means. And two, so I have I to explain to it to you and to the readers, to the listeners. Okay. So in film, you have things, film and theater, like stage theater, uh, you have diegetic or non-diegetic. Diegetic as in this affects the plot and the world and can be seen and felt and reacted to or non-diegetic as this is not seen or felt or reacted to. So like a good example of diegetic versus non-diegetic is like a lot of stuff in Phantom of the Opera, like the musical, almost all of that stuff is diegetic. Like when Eric is doing something, he's doing something. And even though it might be air quotes hidden, it still has a real life effect. Non-diegetic, think of like the movie version of Chicago where like, when they're doing the cell block tango yeah like those lights and everything that's not real like it's there for performance but like that's not real Moulin Rouge also has some really really cool diegetic versus non-diegetic moments where it's like obviously they're not really floating across Paris but then some of the other stuff is diegetic and real and weird so I asked the question to Tori in the Hunchback animated movie are the gargoyles diegetic or non-diegetic in asking that because it is acknowledged that Quasimodo is the only person who can see them and hear them talk. Well, no, see them move and hear them talk. Other people can see that they're not in the places they used to be. 
But at the end of the movie, they have real effects on the soldiers that are trying to climb up the church. So are they diegetic or are they non-diegetic? I feel like they're diegetic. You would say that, but it's not consistent enough to know because it still could be non-diegetic and that just be like a hallucination because that end of the movie is dumb kid stuff where they try to make a raid on a church child friendly. I mean, they basically recreate minus the mystical furniture, the Beauty and the Beast fight, but there's there's no wardrobe with a baseball bat. Let's say, but they exclude my favorite character, the wardrobe with a fucking baseball bat. Which is now every time I rewatch that movie and I see that, I just think of you immediately. Good, because that's my I'm favorite like, fucking character. If Amanda was a piece of furniture that had come, that's to life, it. I have a wardrobe with a baseball bat, just fucking ready. Wardrobe, like, the main portion of that being war. Exactly. Dude, my two favorite characters in Beauty and the Beast are Gaston and that wardrobe. I loved, there was a TikTok the other day of a woman dressed up as like Gaston and she walks up and she goes, I'm dressed up as your wife. And he comes up and he puts his hand around her waist and he goes, all right, nothing to see here, folks. We're done. We're done here. I found my wife. We're done. Yeah, pretty <laughs> like, much. Pretty much. I was cracking up. I'm like, okay. Did I, did I send you the video of uh, the Adelaide penguin protecting the emperor baby penguins? I don't think so. I don't think so. There's that. A, so there's a BBC video of an Adelaide penguin, and Adelaide's are tiny, uh, protecting a bunch of emperor uh, penguin chicks. And emperor penguins, for reference, can be about as tall as one Amanda. I'm sorry. I never put that together, but now I can picture it and I'm a little frightened. Yeah, so emperor penguins if I recall, are like just under the size of one Amanda. Um, they can be about four feet, so nearly the size of an Amanda. Uh, Adele's are much, much smaller. So there are these emperor penguin chicks that are still like three feet tall, uh, and they're attacked by a petrel, which is like an aggro seagull. Think of like a more aggro seagull. <laughs> and you know, they're babies, so they're just like, what the fuck? And Adele pops out of nowhere, stands in front of the baby penguins and squares up against the petrol. And the petrol is like, nah, fuck this shit. The petrol flies away. And like the voiceover is like, no one messes with the Deles. They are the feistiest penguins. And it's like, that is short friend energy. If you need to understand short friend energy, it is that Adele protecting these baby emperors. Because your tall friends, nah, they're passive. They're chill. They're not going to fuck with anyone. That short friend, was born ready for war oh my gosh yes like short short friend energy is the most chaotic and belligerent and it's like that's it it's this tiny fucking Adele penguin ready to square up against god or become him you know what i think is interesting my yes. smallest friend and my tallest friend are both really great with confrontation yeah i am not but that's easy because I'm like the middle of the Oreo and I just hang out with y'all. Right. You use either of us as shields. But yeah, Adele's are tiny, but like it is decided in nature. No one fucks with them. They attack cameramen. It's the funniest thing. Like they will just, they will square up with anything. And it's not necessarily that they're, 
they don't really mean to like do it to be cruel like i do like that that documentary said that they're feisty feisty is a great word to describe like they're not trying to murder they're not like sea lions in the wrong body like they just don't they won't take shit so like if you're in their territory yeah they're gonna be like feck off like they're they're the scottish they're scottish penguins <laughs> they're little gaelic penguins <laughs> i'm never drinking absinthe again i'm not even that drunk I just... my favorite thing is you say we're never drinking absinthe again but it'll Shut be up. like next year and you'll be like so this drink has absinthe in it no i'm putting a moratorium on absinthe just like we put a moratorium on crackers what was the other thing you put moratorium on we, we did have a moratorium on crackers remember oh yeah because crunch crunch not just crunch crunch we also had like 30 boxes <laughs> we ended a season with approximately five thousand boxes of crackers uh okay like so, being in the back of a church but like not a catholic church like a uh church that i grew up in that just basically had matzo crackers and grape juice because we were afraid of wine yeah our church when we were practicing for my first communion uh we had goldfish crackers and welch's grape juice which feels really unfair like that feels really unfair that when you get to like the communion part it's like this isn't this isn't a this isn't a goldfish cracker uh so we're very far away from the plot justice <laughs> what does it mean who okay. can get it who deserves movie. it this is a big big plot point and it is a small plot point in the novel uh hugo is nihilistic about it as yeah. in like no one gets justice right i mean even freaking like phoebus the ultimate fuck boy basically like slinks away not still slinks. makes me mad not slinks away okay he limps away into his fiance's house yes, he does my favorite part is like so that's the part that gets left out a lot when people talk about it is mm-hmm. his fiance is like so not into it neither mm-hmm. of them are mm-hmm. she's like embroidering this stuff and he's going what the hell is that she's like uh that's neptune and that's this and she's like really smart and he's just Mm -hmm. bored as hell and his mother-in-law is like going through this whole thing where she's trying to figure out if he's just going to end up abandoning her daughter and like it's so uncomfortable because you're going i know that this was an arranged marriage because one of you has money and one of you is a captain of the guard but come Mm -hmm. on also known as literally dating anyone that does craft stuff yeah yeah it's like what, what, what are you making oh i'm uh i'm beating this it'll be in the next six months of me doing this um i started doing uv resin because again i hope capitalism will fill the void it doesn't but i'm trying <laughs> it's like that's what i need another fucking hobby I don't need I don't need sleep or more therapy or different meds. No, I need another fucking hobby. Mark and I were joking today because <clears throat> I was talking about college. Because Brianna's whole school, the focus now is we have a hundred percent college attendance after high school. I'm like, well, way to put the pressure on them in sixth grade. Anyway, um, I'm sitting there and I'm talking to him. I go, oh yeah, I remember college. I don't really hang out very much there. I mean, I took 20 units a quarter and I uh, worked 40 hours a week. So, mm-hmm. you know, he goes, so you didn't sleep. I go, no, I didn't really sleep for like three years. 
I go, and then I studied abroad and I drank a lot and slept. And he starts like laughing at me and I'm like. So I just discovered that you can get an inflatable uh, tube that's a dragon breathing fire. It also comes in ice version. Hmm. Uh, because that's what you do and you have adult money is you spend it on childish things because you were denied a childhood. Question, does your complex have a pool? We have five pools. So I'm coming over. No, I'm <laughs> We don't just have one pool. We have five. Oh, and very important question. We are doing Dracula Fest again this year, yeah? I also love that that really isn't framed as a question, but yes. I'm like, I, I want that fried bread again covered in garlic. I love oh. how that was a question not framed as a question. Yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. Of course we are. Uh, so far, my favorite pool float is one that's just a chair, but it's gold and has two cup holders. Huh. Uh so justice uh there is not a lot of it as tori had mentioned uh the deaf judge and the deaf defendant also can we talk about quasimodo being deaf which i think is hilarious i love that there's an entire part where he's trying to ring the bells as hard as possible with the mm -hmm. hopes that it makes somebody else deaf yes i mean okay i i should preface not hilarious is that i find disability funny for those of you hoping to clip this out of context and make me sound more so like a monster. Uh, but especially like coming from the Disney movie where he's like this sensitive, beautiful voiced little cinnamon bun. And it's like, no, he's mean and deaf and he doesn't like anyone. <laughs> he's weird. <laughs> I, lo I love that about... So there is a thing called um, adaptation attractiveness where like you make characters that are either like disabled or like described as not being very attractive, uh, more attractive in the adaptation. Uh, one of the most famous examples actually is Tyrion Lannister who in the books is not a very handsome Peter Dinklage. And that scar on his face is much worse and he has no nose after the battle of whatever, Blackwatch. One of, one of the fucking battles. Tori, would you like to ask the question that I posed in our secret meme group? What about what now? So I posed a question in our secret meme group that was, uh, is Ramsey Bolton attractive or do I have daddy issues? Discuss. Daddy issues? Yeah. What? <laughs> it's like, is Ramsey Bolton attractive or do daddy I just issues. have problems? I, I, like, it's one of those things where I'm sorry, I just cannot get behind a man who flays people alive. I I can get behind him too well. I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm too fine with it. Okay, so I do have a question. Does this I, entire book kind of feel like a really weird architecture tour you're forced to go on? Just where the tour guide keeps talking shit about people who used to live there? It does because it is. As I stated prior, it is architecture porn. It does because it is. Uh, I don't know why we make people read this. I mean, we don't, but I did. <laughs> I make people read this. Do you want me to tell people about Victor Hugo and the text? Do you want to first talk about the Disney movie or did you want to do that with adaptations? <laughs> Let's do that with adaptations because I feel like that's going to be a whole thing. A bulk of the rest of the episode. All right, tell them about, I was going to say, I was going to say Vicky for some reason and that felt weird. Uh, tell everyone about Victor Hugo. Or Vic the Dick. Anyway. 
Victor Hugo was born in Eastern France in 1802. His parents liked to joke he was so smart because he was conceived at a high elevation when they were on vacation on a mountain. That's not a cool thing to tell your child. No, that's called trauma. Anyway, so he wasn't really that great looking. Um, His beard definitely helped hide his nose. Anyway, um, he completed his first novel at 21 in 1883. He published novels, plays, and poetry, which Amanda likes. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as Amanda has already stated, the book was originally called Notre Dame de Paris, Our Lady of Paris. It was changed back to, to The Hunchback of Notre Dame when it was printed in English in 1833. Mm-hmm. Because then it was translated by a guy named like Frederick Schaubert. Schaubert, sorry. The goat in the book and the Disney movie is real. Yes. Ali is real. Yes. Um, it was like Victor Hugo's favorite character, which is why the goat survives and nobody else does. Yes. Um, as we've already talked about, the entire point of this book was, hey, save this cathedral, please. Uh, you're getting rid of all this really nice architecture, which in the United States, to quote Andy Izzard, this is how this building looked 50 years ago. Smash it to the ground and build a car park there. Um, that's more the United States style. I've studied in countries where the building is older than our country. So that's a whole thing. I'm sorry. England does it all the time. They keep finding Plantagenet kings underneath car parks. Fuck you. I will not accept that slander just on the United States. England okay. has a terrible habit of doing that. Can we ag- agree that Florida is a chief culprit? Okay, but also look at the layout of Florida. <laughs> where can we build? Where will a hurricane not destroy everything? Nowhere because of global warming. So at one point in time, uh, they were replacing a lot of the build or like the stained glass windows in the Notre Dame Cathedral about the time he was writing mm-hmm. with regular clean, like regular glass. And he was getting really mad about it mm-hmm. because he's like, okay, I know you can see sunlight, but that's not the point. Mm-hmm. He had already created a paper called War to the Demolishers, where he was complaining about people getting rid of medieval architecture, mm-hmm. but the book worked and people clamored to save the cathedral, like we were talking mm-hmm. about. So, also, let's talk about that drama, that publishing drama. Mm-hmm. He had an agreement with his publisher, Goslin, that he'd published the book in 1829, but he kept getting delayed with other projects, which is aka, I don't feel like writing this right now. Yes. By summer 1830, Gosselin finally got tired of excuses and said, get it done by February 1831. A lot of that had to do with the fact that Hugo was trying to sell it elsewhere after spending his entire um, advance. Mm -hmm. He ended up hunkering down in September 1830 and worked nonstop to get it done. Mm -hmm. This one is Amanda's fault because Amanda shared a link with me and now I can't unsee it. (laughs) Hugo wrote in the nude... So he wouldn't be able to leave his house and he would have to get work done. So basically he couldn't just pop out for a coffee. He'd mm-hmm. have to ha- have his freaking valet hide his clothes. So mm-hmm. he couldn't just like go get dressed. He was naked a lot because he wrote Lame as a Rob and The Hunchback of Notre Dame roughly about the same time, mm-hmm. which we have very common themes in both. Yeah, they're essentially the same book. Um. In the 1840s, he got very into French politics he was upset about the conditions for the poor of France, which we see in this book. Mm-hmm. I then turned off my speaker. Um, he was very much against the death penalty. Mm-hmm. He advocated for free education. Mm-hmm. You can see how much he dislikes the death penalty in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. 
Mm-hmm. He also managed to piss off Napoleon III when he denounced him as a traitor to France. Mm-hmm. And then Hugo fled to Brussels and then the island of Guernsey from 1855 to 1870 to hide out. Correct. He was a notorious womanizer. That's why I was jokingly calling him Vic the Dick. Mm-hmm. He recorded all of his affairs and sexual mm-hmm. acts in code in his diary. He was sexually active even into his very old age. He died at the age of 83. Mm-hmm. Which is so not was, bad for that time period. The book wasn't really that questionable at the time period. One of the very interesting things was when it was adapted into a Disney movie, mm-hmm. things hit the fan. The Catholic mm-hmm. Church got really upset because it put them in a very bad light. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fans of the book who loved the book were mad that Disney changed it to a happy ending. Mm-hmm. and eventually made a hunchback of notre dame part two which why why <laughs> where they give him a dumb klutzy girlfriend okay so there yes. are tons of adaptations yes operas there's miniseries there's movies there's just like there's a sequel that hugo wrote himself there's a sequel that hugo wrote himself um <laughs> the, okay i didn't know that the moment of terror <laughs> on Tori's face of like oh fuck (laughs) oh and now Disney is threatening to make a live action version of their animated film yes because that's what we need that's what we need a live action version of what might be the best Disney movie and Idris Elba wants to make a version of it for Netflix where he plays the main character I'm like I'm sorry you're a little too hot Okay, they made him not hot in Cats, so I think they can do it. I refuse to watch that movie. I can't I can't do it. So I have a major problem with that. Uh, none of the other cats are really flesh-colored. Uh, McCavity is the color of Idris Elba. So he's just a weird brown cat. And like, this is a no-win situation. He was going to look exoticized and weird either way, but... Um, yeah, McCavity is just the color of Idris Elba. But also the best Heimdall ever in a representation of a movie. He hates being Heimdall. Really? He complains all the time. He's a really he good one. He hates it so much. He's so pretty. I don't think he's that attractive. But I wouldn't kick him out of bed for eating crackers. I need you to know that the coolest thing about jury summons right now mm-hmm. is that you report from home on a virtual class courtroom. Which is what I'm assuming you're doing right now. Huh? Which is what I'm assuming you're doing right now. No, I have a, I got a notice in the mail saying you have jury duty. And I was like, oh man. And then I'm like, that's actually not that bad. I've never been selected for jury duty. I have gone for selection seven years in a row in California. Right after I moved to Bear County, I got a notice that um, I was supposed to serve in Lano, to which I had Mm -hmm. to call them and say, I've moved. And then right before I got married, I had to go back in for selection. But every time what happens is I sit there for the entire day Mm -hmm. and then they let us go because they have enough people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess they know that I'm a deviant or something or that I keep saying ACAB really, really loudly. (laughs) I keep saying... (laughs) Keep saying a, I keep saying a cab very loudly and publicly. Uh, so that might be part of the reason. I feel like I just need to go in like my stop human trafficking shirt and 
Yeah. So be on a a trial about human trafficking, I'm gonna tell you right now how I'm already gonna vote. So good luck with that one. Apparently, there's an international absinthe day, which is on the 5th of March. And if you want to donate to the friends of Notre Dame de Pelly, you can donate in cryptocurrency. Oh, that's new. I don't know why, but sure. All right. How much do we want to talk about Disney? First question Do we want to adopt another gargoyle? Do we want to talk about the gargoyles? So I'm looking at Don Talion and Corson. Don Talion looks like the most judgmental eagle I've ever seen, and I love him. <laughs> so I just remember there being one that was voiced by George Costanza. Yes. One that was voiced by a clearly old lady. No. No. Was that a dude? Yes. Wow. And there was one that was sounded like a very pompous man. Also, uh, fun fact, their names are Victor Hugo and Laverne. Ha, huh? Victor Hugo. Eh. <laughs> the look Tori just gave me. <laughs> yeah, I the remember look- that part. I just couldn't remember Laverne. So uh, those are the animators. See below. Yes, let me see. Show me! The voice actors, for fuck's sake, Disney Wiki fandom. So for uh, a Victor, long time, randomly, huh? I would just burst into Paris, the city of lovers, is glowing this evening. True, that's because it's on fire, but still, there's l'amour. Like, I'll do that now. And Mark's like, what are you doing? I think so. That song has one of the lines that infuriates me the most in all of musical theater when they rhymed Adonis with croissant is. <laughs> like, if you want to trigger musical theater, Amanda, it's that they rhymed Adonis with croissant is. Okay, so Victor Hugo, so Victor is voiced by Charles Kimbrough, Hugo by Jason Alexander. Oh, it is an old woman, it's Mary Wicks. So one of my new favorite things that i've discovered thanks to tiktok and i don't know how true this is but is japan syndrome not japan syndrome paris syndrome rather Mm -hmm. where people who travel from it's usually japan but it can be other places as well Mm -hmm. get to paris and they've built Mm -hmm. it up in their head because they've been told for so long that it is beautiful and wonderful and fantastic and they get there and there are the same issues as every other major city and Mm -hmm. it smells like pee and they lose their mind. Mm-hmm. Evidently, the Japanese embassy has a 24-hour mental health hotline so mm-hmm. that people can call when they're freaking out. And they've yeah. had to help people repatriate back to Japan. And I'm just cracking up because I'm like, well, obviously, y'all never grew up in an American major city. <laughs> and also, so like, yes, that exists specifically for Paris, but that's also very true in other parts of Europe. Like, I know a lot of Americans have that when they go to, like, Italy and stuff like that. So, like, for me, I had grown up seeing pictures of, like, Pompeii and the Colosseum, Flavian Amphitheater, to be that person. Because um, I took Latin for 10 fucking years and I'm going to use it. Uh, so I knew, I had a pretty realistic idea of what these looked like. So it was cool to me. Um, or honestly, the most, ex- the biggest example we have is the Alamo in our backyard. Right. Where literally you go there, it's super small. Yeah. You can do it in about 30 minutes. Yeah. And the best right part of, is the cat. The yes, the official Alamo cat is the best. 
But yeah. then like, across the street, you've got like Madame Tussaud. You've got all sorts of like weird carnivalesque shit. What happened? They're moving that. They are? Yeah. Ah. Uh, well, and then like if you walk down the, the steps right nearby, you go There's right down the river walk with a bunch of drunk people. Yeah. And the mall, River Center Mall. Um, but mostly like that, it's just, it's small and it's in the middle of downtown, like, and it's not sacred, which uh, I have a lot of questions for people who'd like to keep the Alamo sacred because it was a battle in which Texas lost because they really wanted to own slaves. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. If you disagree with me, you are categorically and imperatively wrong. Texas wanted to own slaves and Mexico said no. So Which we decided to do independence about it. Why a lot of Texas uh, Confederacy sympathizers killed a bunch of Union sympathizers who really uh, did, especially Germans Union. who really didn't care and were just trying to leave to get to Mexico. Yeah. I mean, we have the Tour de Union here where it was just a bunch of Germans who were like, yeah, this sounds sus. And Texas slaughtered them. I really want Dontalian. I sent you a picture of him in Messenger. I want this gargoyle. I mean, I know we don't own him, but I want this gargoyle. Look at this shady ass bird. <laughs> he is a shitty ass bird. He I looks want... like um, a really bad version of Stolas. I love Stolas so much. <laughs> I don't know if I'm in trouble for saying it looks like a demon or if you're really excited. I'm so excited. Stolas is my favorite. He's my favorite prince of hell. You just like him because he has really long bird legs. No, I love him because he's a nerd. By the Stolas way, Nemo comes down. All he wants to do is teach human beings about alchemy and herbs and how to do fun magic shit. He's a very chill prince of hell. That's all Stolas wants to do. He's a leggy owl and he just wants to teach you cool shit. That's all he wants. The leggy owl of witchcraft. My child. I named my Animal Crossing island after Stolas. <laughs> Mine's the island of Moscow, and every time the clock goes off, it plays the Russian national anthem. I have the bisexual pride flag up, and my, and my island is named after a demon owl. I just realized people probably think I'm, like, super pro-Russia. You're... You're like a Russian cosplayer. You're really into the idea of Russia, but the cons the reality itself. I'm fascinated by the history. I'm fascinated by the Cold War, but like being under the thumb of Putin would probably not be a thing I would ever want. Especially because he has such small hands. <laughs> if we were in Russia right now, we would be in jail. Okay, that would not be the reason we're in jail. In we would have been executed a... We would have been executed way, way before this point. No one wants to dedicate anybody to save the crucifixion of St. Andrew. Aww. I kind of want to donate to this one because of St. Andrew. We have the St. Andrew's cross and BDSM. See, and I'm thinking St. Andrew because of Scotland, but okay. <laughs> New kinds of people. Okay, so Nemo just laid across my keyboard like he was cool. He is for those of you who have not listened before nemo or you know still listening nemo is my cat and he mm -hmm. uh, he thinks he's people he is dog. it depends on the day he is people 
I don't know what you're talking about. He's a good boy. Uh, okay, so we've talked about some resources. There's a great video by Lindsay Ellis in which she talks about this for a very, very long time. I definitely recommend that you watch it. Um, there are some interesting facts about Victor Hugo in which I mentioned the nudity, spark notes, of course, and Wikipedia as always. Now can we talk about the Disney movie? <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, I think it's the best Disney movie. This has been a conversation we've been having since we started this podcast. It is. I think it's, I think it's honestly, well, okay. It's one of the the most bangers in it. Oh, absolutely. It's one of the few Disney movies that I can watch all the way through. I usually skip around. This is one of the ones that I can like watch all the way through. I usually don't. I usually peace out around Hellfire just because I have shit to do. Uh, But I'm like... I will do my best to get to Hellfire. At minimum, I'm getting to Hellfire. <laughs> so I will tell you the coolest adaptation I've seen of Hellfire outside of the movie mm-hmm. was when Disney was doing World of Color at uh, Disney California Adventure or DCA. That's what they call it now because nobody wanted to go to a California theme park in California. Um, I do. It had a whole water like show thing with lights mm-hmm. and all sorts of stuff where they would basically project scenes from movies onto this with like big booming audio when it was amazing and hellfire pops up and just every hair on your arm goes up like damn son you didn't have to go that hard but okay and i mean like you've up until that point had like colors of the wind and all these like very innocent kind of happy songs and all of a sudden it's like Frollo singing about lust and like probably going to hell and you're like oh my god I need another margarita I also here's something I love about hellfire is like I think we all loosely knew that Disney movies weren't really for children Uh, I think this is when we all figured it out (laughs) Toy Story did a really good job of ruining my illusions because when I was a kid I missed 90% of those jokes and now as an adult I'm like Oh my god, we let children watch this movie? I'm trying to think of what mine was. I think it was like Aladdin or something. Where like just so many of these movies are like, this is not. Oh, you mean like the original first five minutes of Aladdin where it's extremely racist and suddenly when they made the version for home, it was clean? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Uh so yeah i uh i think this is one of the best of the disney movies uh i will not fight with many people who don't like it to be perfectly honest just because i do get that it's fucking weird i get it it's really fucking weird it has a lot of tone problems um more so than i think a lot of the other disney movies especially because switch is so fast i mean i think all disney movies have tone problems all of them do i think hunchback suffers the most because they're so good and scary but then like next scene is like some dumb shit also uh, something that i completely forgot when uh quasimodo brings esmeralda and jolly up to his little uh i don't know incel cave yeah uh, does that mean I mean, it's like the opposite of his mom's basement. It's his keeper's, uh, like, attic. Yeah, sure. Uh, Jolly just, like, eats all of his little figures. 
and I'm like in my apartment. I'm like, he just fucked up his whole shit. Like I was like upset. I I do love Jolly in the movie because he gives no Fs. I mean, like yeah. that's kind of a, a big thing. Like even in the book, like the book, he listens very well and he can mm-hmm. kind of count by tapping things out and he can spell mm-hmm. Phoebus out of the bag. Like he's actually useful. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's like, I'm just going to eat this thing. Thanks though. But I was just like really upset because like Quasimodo is so proud of his little uh, figures and Jolly's just like, I'm going to fuck up your whole shit. And he just ate all of his stuff. Uh, also, there's only one good joke in the entire movie and that is when uh, Phoebus, whose horse is named Achilles, and he says, Achilles, heal. <laughs> Uh, that is the one good joke in the entire world. that's okay. it so i love me mandy patankin okay i've loved mandy patankin inappropriately since i was about 13 mm-hmm. i did not know that there was a 1997 television movie with him mm-hmm. as quasimodo selma hayek as esmeralda and richard harris as frollo so when you google mandy patankin the first question is, is Mandy Patinkin a nice guy? I hope so. To which the answer is, Mandy Patinkin isn't quite a household name, but you certainly know his work, probably from his unforgettable role as Diego Montoya in 1987's The Princess Bride. With such success from the film and television, you probably have Mandy Patinkin pegged as a pretty nice guy, if perhaps a little intense. That is the entire sentence. Uh, apparently, he is a jerk. Aww. I mean, just think about his time on Criminal Minds where he complained every single day until they let him go. So from what I understand, Neil Gaiman also suffers from this affliction. Now, keep in mind, I met Neil Gaiman. He was the nicest man. He was mm-hmm. very kind. He let me mm-hmm. fangirl and had no issues with it. Mm-hmm. And then I hear other people talk smack, but mostly the person I heard talk smack was somebody who had dated or who was friends with someone who had dated him. Mm-hmm. It's another so, reliable source yeah so you gotta you gotta kind of take everything with a grain of salt also sometimes people have bad days yeah Maybe also don't idolize men day. or anyone don't idolize anyone like just don't do that uh, they just will always disappoint you sometimes you meet your heroes and they let you down sometimes you meet your heroes and you're like oh my god you're genuinely a great person sometimes you meet your hero and you know they're a gross human being and even though it didn't happen to you doesn't mean that they're not a gross human being um also today is a terrible person anyway so is chris hardwick yeah yeah he is he's awful so are a lot of people i mean so is joss whedon uh-huh we can joss we can have an entire other podcast of just us sitting in mostly silence occasionally saying the names of horrible famous people so i was watching when i was uh at young miss international for the like the weekend we we're just kind of like hanging out in the hotel room my roommate at the time had fallen asleep and she had left this television special on and it was one of those tvs where they didn't have a remote you had to control it with your phone but mm-hmm. like i couldn't get it to work on my phone for some reason at mm-hmm. like that point in time so there's an entire special on new york and back to back there are interviews with giuliani trump and also uh john lassiter and i'm like rapist 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 fuck history channel do better and i realized this was like 15 years a thing that was yeah i yeah i was about to say like there's some really really cool documentaries like giuliani and trump back in the day and it's like oh this is aged like cheese and not the good kind of cheese like the cheese that 
the mold doesn't help i actually did pick up cheese i haven't eaten it yet because uh asmr chewing sounds it's a very very ripe fontina and i am excited uh but okay back to the disney movie disney movie is amazing uh the animation is great i still don't know what the gargoyles are doing hello cat hi baby sorry i had to show you the cat before he he's (sighs) being weird he's always being weird nemo is weird nemo's afraid of himself so but he's such a precious baby he's a good boy but um disney movie is great uh i very very rarely say do the adaptation over the main book but uh, yeah just watch the fucking disney movie uh they make justice a much bigger deal um they also make the church seem a little bit less awful like it's one bad actor not the church which I respect, but also don't respect. Because while that is more realistic, it also does still scapegoat the church. Um, and especially the Catholic church, it's very, very confusing because while it's easy to say that, yes, it is one bad actor or several bad actors, to be very, very uh, frank, uh, it's also the institution that shields these men. So it's a two-pronged issue. It is, yes, the individual bad actor, but also the church that says, we're just going to move you to the next dio- the next diocese, which happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's both. Um, I think I've said this before. I'm not a huge fan of especially non-Catholics nagging on the church um, just because they're usually yelling at like individual parishioners where it's like, your church is bad yes what would you like me to do about it see i was raised evangelical before i became a lutheran so i get it i get it yeah people are like i don't like christians and i'm like yeah i understand because uh i was made to feel like a black sheep weirdo piece of crap for years until i went you don't really need these people that actually have a relationship with god um so I love people like Jen Hatmaker, who are super big into LGBT, Rachel Held Evans, who is unfortunately no longer with us, and Nadia Bowles Weber, mm-hmm. who are just like, no, if somebody treats you like crap, you don't need to sit there and take it. Mm-hmm. We love you. God loves you. Let them do whatever. Like, they're going to be stupid. Be part of the yeah. solution, not part of the problem. Right. And again, yelling at individual parishioners will not and does not fix anything. Especially because usually what happens is a charismatic leader comes to the forefront. This happens a lot, even in individual churches. That mm-hmm. person becomes a cult of personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, people follow this person around. They believe everything they say. And that can be incredibly destructive. Yeah. See also Jim Jones. Anyway, what? Why? Why must you hurt me like this? Uh, you okay. know I love you, boo. <laughs> uh, so there's been a resource, there's been a uh, adaptations because it's a very, very uh, compelling story. Compelling for whomst, I'm not sure. Uh, I mostly well, think. I feel like once you get past the architecture porn, there's like actually some interesting stuff there. Compelling for whomst. <laughs> I would really, really like to see more about Frollo's like fall from grace and obsession with like hermetic beliefs. Because, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here about Nicholas Flamel. I think that name got thrown out like 15, 20 times in this book. Do you know who he is? I do. 
Uh, so Nicholas Flamel, for our listeners who don't know, is an alchemist. Uh, he's one of the fam- most famous alchemists. That's how we get Flamel's cross. Uh, I actually just purchased a wax seal ring. That is the alchemical symbol for squaring of the circle, which is part of the great work and the desire to find perfection in the mundane. And that's the really funny thing is a lot of people go, oh, alchemy, you know, turning uh, base metals into gold. That is a very base idea of what it is. But Mm -hmm. what it really is, is turning the imperfections of yourself into the perfect self. Right. Like it's called the great work for a reason. And it's really a lot more philosophical and metaphysical than it is physical with like metals and stuff um yeah like don't get excited you're probably not gonna get rich yeah also it's really really hard Uh, it's like also it's super not easy to do so uh what are we reading next so we didn't pick a next book so august right we have an option we had either things fall apart by chinua chibe or what my daughter is being forced to read in school right now is Holes by Lewis Sackar. I got that side eye from you. I don't like holes. I don't like things fall apart either. But I don't like things fall apart more and I can talk about it. So let's read Chinua Achebe. Okay. So our next <laughs> book will be Things Fall Apart by Chinua Achebe. Oh, is this our first like actual African literature? Like from actual Africa? Yes. Yes. I was going to say, we've had a few African-Americans, but no. Yes. Uh, I'm excited just because it's African literature. I'm not excited because I don't like this book. Or mm, I didn't like it when I read it in sociology in college. I may have changed my mind. I read it in 10th grade English, so I'm really interested to see how my attentions have changed. Uh, yeah. So we'll definitely see how we feel about that. Uh, thank you all for celebrating my birth month with me. Uh, I had a lovely birth month. I'm going to spend money on this gargoyle tour. No longer gets a choice. I want Dontalian. <laughs> Your stolas friend? I want him so badly. It's like Amanda has made a decision. I want Dontalian. He is perfect and I love him. All right. We are all over social media if you we want are. to find us. If you don't mm-hmm. want to find us, that's also okay. Um, we're at unfortunately required reading on Facebook, unfortunately RR on Twitter, mm-hmm. unfortunately required on Instagram, or if you just want to go to all one place, unfortunately required reading.com. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have an email, which is unfortunately required reading at gmail.com, which I haven't checked in a while. So I should probably do that. <laughs> if you'd like to send us an email, something we say at the end of every episode, just know we probably haven't gotten it yet. Do you like how I call myself out before anybody else does? Yeah, I learned. Okay, so I watched a video on a hidden borderline personality disorder, which I didn't know was a thing. Oh, yeah. uh, Which caused me a lot of screaming because, oh, shit, I get to add another condition to my list. Uh, It's actually a huge aspect of uh, rejection sensitivity is you neg on yourself before anyone can neg on you. Yup. Okay. I don't like it. The good news is we haven't gotten any personal emails. Okay. We just got messages from things from uh, Twitter. Okay. Which I'm sure you've already seen. So Probably yes. Probably yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, so 
thank you all who support the wine and cheese fund our patrons uh who continue to keep the lights on uh metaphorically and physically it is without uh saying that your support means the world to us thank you uh if you would like to join them as uh bastions that help protect our i was going to say bastille but that's no longer standing uh and also fuck you thomas jefferson what no i'm just laughing because i feel like if we ever get a chance to yell fuck you thomas jefferson we find a way to do it i don't like him he has personally wronged me i have been personally wronged by thomas jefferson uh you may do so at anchor.fm slash unfortunately required reading uh the gargoyle has been adopted because i love this fucking bird our lady of perpetual gargoyle adoption if any of y'all want to make me a novena candle i will fucking i will print that hoe out so fast (laughs) I would love to be Our Lady of Perpetual Gargoyles. <laughs> I, I would love to be Our Lady of Perpetual Gargoyles because I am. So we have Dontalian and we have St- and we have our other one. This is perfect. We're gonna have our the gar- we're gonna have all the gargoyles. I am the Khaleesi of gargoyles. <laughs> I saw someone who was driving. And their license plate said Khaleesi, but they had a back of the blue sticker on. And I don't think the Khaleesi would have been very, Khaleesi I'm assuming is in Daenerys Targaryen. I don't think that she would say that. Uh, She pretty much burned an entire city to the ground, so. Right, I don't think she, like out of all the characters I think in Game of Thrones that would have been ACAB, I think she's pretty up there. Like, I can see... Jon Snow being like, yeah, but they do a lot of good in our community. Yeah, like he's literally a part of the Border Patrol. He's one of those he's one of those militia men who run around Arizona in the middle of the night trying to keep air quotes foreigners out. See, and the hard part is like, I actually have a friend who's an FBI agent and a friend who is the uh, sheriff. So I'm like down. But also I understand that the systems are messed up and also screw up a lot of stuff towards young women of color um, especially ones who have been trafficked so i'm very thankful we are making some progress towards people who have been trafficked um but there needs to be a lot of changes i guess like for for the record when i say acab i mean the institution it's not that i think that every single cop is awful the majority of them are but there's just no way to be good in an already poisoned system. Like American police from jump were just created to catch slaves. Like that's their job. Like they were invented to be assholes. Like you can't win. So like, I don't care about like your individual cop who like was chill that one time. Like, yeah, that's cool. I'm happy for that. Any cop that does their job and doesn't shoot random brown people yeah that's cool i'm okay with that, that I when i say a cap huh i said that i can get behind but right. when they stop you randomly and want to search your packages in the back of the car when it's at christmas time and right. you joke with your family as you've been through i have at least i didn't get shot that's not 
good right like all. when most people say a cab and like defund the police they mean the institution right they don't mean like your cousin who may be a cop or something they mean we can't fix this shit we need to burn the motherfucker down and try again and what a lot of the things that too especially defund the police a lot of people are like oh that just means they want to get rid of the police entirely it's like no there is a focus on moving funds to areas mm-hmm. where things can be done to help because there are a lot of situations where it's a mental health crisis it's mm-hmm. not a a thing where the police should have to carry that burden right and they're not trained for it which is why so many of them so many people with mental health crises die they're not trained for that and that's not necessarily the fault of the cops they weren't trained for that like the amount of police that have to give narcan that's not their job i hate that they have to do that so yeah defund them make them earn their keep remove civil asset forfeiture and civil forfeiture to begin with i don't know why a police station needs a jimmy buffett margaritaville machine it does not i have i have a friend who actually runs a, a pantry on the south side of san antonio and she just got approved to get like a ton of doses of narcan because yeah. where they are located like they do obviously food delivery and all sorts of stuff for these people and mm-hmm. i've been out there where somebody we've had to skip a week or something and mm-hmm. people come up and go, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so thankful. There's no way I was going to be able to feed my kids this week. Mm-hmm. Like, it's heartbreaking. But there are so many people who kind of like live down in this ditch area who are very heavily addicted to narcotics. And her being able to have this, and she's going to do training and stuff, and we're going to be able to do that as volunteers as well. Um, it can be the difference between life and death for somebody who accidentally overdoses. Mm-hmm. And um, I think what breaks my heart is when people are like, well, let them overdose. That like kills me because this is a disease. Addiction is a disease. Mm-hmm. It's not, nobody is going out there that day and being like, you know what? I think I want to fuck up my entire life, lose my kids and all my teeth. Like, right. No, nobody wakes up in the morning and thinks that that's a good decision. And it's also a very manufactured crisis that disproportionately mm-hmm. affects people of color. Uh, yes, it does. Because we have to bring that up. Uh, let me know what that organization is because we should donate as a uh, podcast. Yeah. Because um, so I, I bought Don Talion with my own money. Um, I work with, it's called the Harlandale Sunshine Pantry. Okay. And they are amazing. I'll send you, we'll like figure it out because they have a GoFundMe and stuff. Their actual, their um, opening, because they just built kind of this structure so people can go in and kind of shop versus like shop for in lack of better terms. Like they can go in and pick up what they need versus Mm -hmm. um, us passing out bags. Mm Because we've been passing out bags with like beans and rice and tortillas and Mm -hmm. like macaroni and cheese and other shelf stable stuff. And just something to, to throw out there. If you're donating to a food drive, don't donate canned goods that went bad five years ago. It doesn't yeah, help. I don't anything. know why people do that. I don't know. If it's a couple months past date, it's fine. If mm-hmm. it's five to six years past date, it is not fine. If the can is so dented that there's a possibility that botulism has been introduced, don't donate that. And if you're donating macaroni and cheese, please think about the fact that a lot of people don't have fresh milk and butter. Mm-hmm. So even just donating powdered milk, huge. Mm-hmm. If you can donate to a food pantry, fresh milk, fresh eggs, butter, things like that, that goes a really long way. Yeah. TBH and most of the listeners, I just like giving them money. They know what they need. Um, yeah. I'm very big on uh, 
I like giving organizations like that money because they know what they need and they know that the community that they serve. Uh, so take my cash and do with it what you need to, whether it's paying your staff and volunteers, whether it's keeping the lights on. Uh, I love that we're ending my birth month with revolution and charity because this is what Victor Hugo probably really wanted, but was too bad of a writer to say so. And I, I will agree with Amanda here. Money goes a long way. And a lot of times charity, like there's a joke in the show, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. We'd love to just write on the poster, just give us money, damn it. But our lawyer said no. Yeah. Um, because a lot of times, especially with the San Antonio Food Bank or with um, with pantries, like the ones that I work with, mm. um, just that money, they know how to make that money stretch. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times volunteers are like when there's a food driver going through buckets and buckets of expired food like people have oh I donated to the food drive great this canned good isn't going to do anybody any good mm-hmm. um nobody wants your pumpkin puree and I appreciate you trying that I do I want your pumpkin like, puree. well I mean like for pumpkin pies yeah but like when it is March 3rd and you're like well what the hell am I going to do with this mm-hmm. um real meals real canned goods goes a long way and like I've, I've known a lot of kids who came from homes that were not food secure. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will tell you right now, it is still a huge problem in the United States. And yeah. it probably will be for some time until we figure out tax law that is fair. Uh, we won't because fuck you, Ronald Reagan. Two things as we wrap up. One, uh, I'm looking at photos from Classic Game Fest here in Austin. The pandemic is not over just because you're over it, vaccinated or not. Uh, I would continue to wear a mask in most outdoor environments. If you are not vaccinated, fucking why? Sorry. Like at this stage, I no longer care about your excuses. Fucking why? Uh, Get vaccinated. Uh, Unless you have like a medical condition or something, like I need to see an actual doctor's note. Don't just say, well, I can't. Uh, There's some very distressing photos that are coming out from conventions that are reopening up. Uh, Ah, secondly, Tori, did you see the photo of someone who did an engagement photo shoot and it was slavery themed. Sweet Jesus. I talked about this with Mark last night. I went, Hey, well, at least, you know, we had a, like we had a dinosaur photo shoot because at least we didn't try to do one that was slavery themed. And I swear to God, the man spins around and just looks at me like, what? Oh yeah. Black man in shackles with a white woman who's freeing him and i'm like at what point in time did you tell your families about this because i can tell you right now great aunt martha is ready to snatch you bald-headed and does not understand what's wrong with you i told my friend uh amber about this amber is also of color we're both black scholars and uh we had the combined uh consensus that uh you cannot show anyone on the black side of the family these photos that boy is being hit with every broom available in a 50 mile radius. Uh, I don't know who agreed to this. I don't know how this photographer felt because there's only two. So here's my problem with stuff like this. Either one, no one thought it was a bad idea. No one. Because any one person (laughs) should have been like, I have some questions. Or two, that issue exactly. Someone did see a problem and was not brave enough to say anything. But my biggest fear with that stuff is 
no one saw a problem. Like the one kid who did a promposal and he was uh, asking out a little black girl and he said, if this was the South, I'd be picking cotton. But since it's prom, I'm picking you. First of all, don't date that boy. And they don't date that boy, firstly. Second of all, your mom had to go to the Michaels or the Hobby Lobby, let's be real. Your mom had to go to the Hobby Lobby. She had to get those decorative cotton stalls, which I hate. She had to go get the, the puffy paint markers. She had to go get the board. She probably wrote that sign because we know Jeremy's little handwriting isn't that good. And no one, no, no one paused for a minute. No one. Because if my, if my child ever said that to me, one, just like Hank Pym did to Janet Van Dyne, they are getting backhanded into the next comic book panel. Wow. What? That's where you went with that. It is. <laughs> did I deep cut too far? Just just a reminder that Hank Pym was a, uh, is a wife abuser. In the comics. He's not a real person. Yeah. Not in the, <laughs> the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but in the- uh, he's, 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 he's alluded to being not a good husband. Anyways. Uh, but like, there's no one, if, if this was, if this black man was my friend and he's like, yeah, my fiance wants to do a slavery themed photo shoot. I'm putting a bag over his head and kidnapping him. Like he's in danger. This is how Get Out starts. Like, no, you are in danger. No one had a problem with this and that horrifies me. Can confirm adding ginger ale and letting the rock sugar melt made this actually quite palatable. I'm guessing what it ended up doing is that natural reaction that absinthe is supposed to do with sugar and water. So it actually made it quite mellow and chill. Uh, I still have a lot to sip on and I will probably be sipping on this for a while while I wait for whatever the fuck I order off of Uber Eats. Um, but I ended up doing by accident the absinthe reaction and that made it much more palatable. Yay. Uh, we've been talking for a while. <laughs> for a hot minute. I mean, it's good to be, it's good to be recording an episode. I'll be back in August. I don't know when we're going to, when we're going to be back face to face. We'll figure that out. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, for the love of God, please continue wearing a mask and go read a book.